Kevra Bogartov, today's daf is Mem Vav, 46. We pick up at the bottom of Mem Ham's bet. Amarav Yudam Shmuel, it is three lines before the lines get wide, eight lines from the bottom of the page. And we actually start a, um, a new, obviously related discussion, but a new discussion now that we've discussed the mitzvah of Lula, um, in the Mikdash, out of the Mikdash, on Shabbat, the mitzvah of Arava, in the Mikdash, out of the Mikdash, special status of Shemini Aseret. We had very beautiful Agatha yesterday, once again connecting the idea of the Lulav to a Korban, um, which is a very uh, interesting and repeating theme. Um, and now we, um, we pick up with a discussion, um, sort of taking a step back and discussing an important question that we have not really addressed until now, which is the issue of bracha. And looking specifically at Lulav and at Sukkah, but then we're going to also circle back um, uh, to discuss Arava as well. So let's take a look. Amarav Yudam Shmuel. So says Rav Yudam Shmuel, Lulav Shiva V'sukkah Yom Echad. Lulav is seven and Sukkah is only one day. Does not mean you only sit in a Sukkah one day. It's a question of the Bracha. You make the Bracha on the Lulav every day of the seven days. Asher Kishon Mishav Tzvanu Lulav which is in itself a Chiddush because the other days are not biblical. So, no, not time of the Beit Well, we'll see, but presumably not. And Sukkah only one day, which is bizarre because Sukkah is biblical. You're sitting in it every day. What is the logic that you would only make according to this? Obviously, you know this is not the Halacha, but what is the logic? The logic is, is that the Mitzvah Sukkah is not, we tend to conceptualize the Mitzvah Sukkah as individual acts. The act of eating this amount of bread or whatever it is must be done in the sukkah. So we say, ah, we're going back into the sukkah again. We have to make another bracha. We're doing another act. But actually, conceptually, the act of sukkah is one act. But sukkot dwelling in the sukkah for the entire week. So when you start, when you move into the sukkah and you start your dwelling, you make the bracha, and then for the remainder of the week, it's a continuation. It's all part of the same act of dwelling. The fact that every now and then you step out of the sukkah, okay, you step out of your house too, as I said when we learned earlier, Prokim, it's not a jail, but any, but the whole week is a continuation of the one act of le- living in the sukkah for the week. Again, for us, the reality is a, is a little different. But conceptually, that is the nature of the mitzvah. So he says you make one bracha on sukkah. That actually makes a lot of sense if you think about conceptually what the mitzvah of sukkah is. So that's the first statement of Rabbi Yehuda Marishmuah. So the Gemara says like this. I'm a Rabbi Yehuda Marishmuah. Lulav shivit sukkah My time. What's the reason? Lulav the masaki lelos miyamim. Lulav the nights divide the day. The mitzvah of lulav does not apply at night. Every day is a separate mitzvah. It's a separate act of taking the lulav each day. It's not one process. First of all, it's not one process because each thing is a distinct act. And the evidence that it's not one process is it doesn't apply at night. So obviously you cannot conceive of it as a continuous process. However, um, I mean, sukkah with the nights do not interrupt the days. It's all one long day. And also, as I just got through saying, it's not like there's a distinct act like shaking the lulav. It's just the continuous, continuous process of dwelling in the sukkah, which is an uninterrupted process. And therefore, it is one bracha at the beginning. Very nice, logical idea reflecting what at least the conceptual reality of sitting in the sukkah is. One minute. So that's the statement in the name of Shmuel. Now here's the statement of Rabbi Barbachan in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Sukkah Shiva of Yomecha. Just to make things fun, it's the exact opposite. Sukkah is seven days and Lulav is one day. My time, or what's the reason? Sukkah Yoraisa Shiva, because every day Sukkah is a biblical mitzvah, so get its own bracha. Lulav Garabanan and Lulav is rabbinic. Sagiwe Bechad Yoma. It's enough for one day. Enough for one day is a funny way of saying it. Uh, maybe a more precise way of saying it is the first day is the only day that's biblical. It's the only day you are able to say Asher Kishana Bimitzvotah. Right? Meaning Sagiwe Bechad Yoma means, let's say I missed the first day of, of Lulav. Would I make a bracha the second day? Presumably not. It's not saying one is enough. It's saying you only are entitled and obligated to make it on the first day, which is biblical. So this position says you only make the bracha on the biblical day. So for Lula, that's day one. And for Sukkah, it's all seven days. How about this idea of a continuous process? That doesn't impress him. Every day still, you know, you have to acknowledge that each day you're continuing to do the mitzvah. Each day you make a separate bracha. Yes, Michael, I question. Sort of interesting that he's saying seven days, because like our mission was saying, even Lulav can be six or seven. Yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're, no, exactly. Okay, yes. 
Yeah. It, it, so according to that, if you were to say like you do on the other days of Sukkot, it would be the same as saying that bracha like on Hanukkah or on Purim. That is to say, like Elohim. Well, we're going to get to that. They're going to get to how we can make rule of the other days, which is our practice, and it is based on this idea that yes, we make brachas on rabbinic mitzvot. Okay, so we will get to that. But for now, one level of the debate is can you make a bracha on the days that are drabanan? The other question is, sukkah, which conceptually is a continuous process, one bracha should be sufficient, and here's an idea, well, maybe still you should make it on each day separately. Now, why exactly to make it on each day separately if the logic is that one day is sufficient could just very well be that, you know, at the experiential level, you know, each day, if you made it five days ago, you know, you're, you're not really marking it uh, you know, as a mitzvah to yourself, which is what the bracha is. Five days ago, you made the bracha on sukkah. So each day, you want to sort of acknowledge it as a separate, and, you know, each day acknowledge it again. But the logic is very powerful in terms of the position of Rav Yudam or Shmuel. Well, let's continue to see how this develops. Okay? So those are two positions. They're mirror images of one another. Um... Okay. He has a Ravin of Rabbi Yochanan. When Ravin came from Eretz Yisrael, he had a different version in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Shiva. Each one, you make seven days. Seven days for Lulav. It doesn't matter that it's Drabanan. Each day is, on the other days, each day is distinct. And seven days for Sukkah, because each day is a Doraita. And again, the idea that in some conceptual level they're not distinct doesn't matter. So each one you make it on every single day. Um, of course, there's an unlogical fourth possibility, which is each one you make it only once. You make it once for Lulav because it's only biblical the first day, once for Sukkah because it's a continuous mitzvah. But that we're not having. So we have three out of the four logical possibilities. Okay, I'm a Rav Yosef. Obviously, the last one is our practice, although, again, in the Gemara, the idea that you make it all seven presumably means once a day by Sukkah, which is not our practice. Our practice by Sukkah is you make the bracha whenever you go in afresh to do a new act of living, which for us, we don't, since we tend not to sleep in a sukkah, is defined as eating a minimum amount of food that is obligated in a sukkah. So for us, we might make it five times one day and zero times the next day. Right? So we really don't do either of these. We do it for sukkah every... We treat sukkah like the idea of lulav, like there's this idea of a distinct act of shaking the lulav. So there's distinct acts of sitting in a sukkah and every time we do a distinct act we make a bracha if you take a look that's what Tosa says echazev echazev shiva okay if you see this little Tosa he says ain sukkah v'lulah shavim libracha that lulav ain mevarecha lepam achas piyom lulav you do it once in the day because it's one act and then you're done aval sukkah kol emas dinichnas la every time you go in today she yocho v'yishev yishan he also he still had sleeping in the sukkah v'afilu eser pamim biyom mevarecha kol achas achas Okay, and then it's sort of like fill in that you, every time you put it on again on the same day, you would make another bracha. Okay, and then so based so, but that is not clear in the Gemara. In the Gemara, again, that is starting to, um, um, uh, you know, like uh, turn the act of sukkah from a process into discrete acts of an act, this act of eating, that act of eating, and then for him it's like making a bracha on every discrete act. In the Gemara, you don't have that yet. In the Gemara, you have the idea that sukkah is a continuous act of all seven days, and that's the opinion that you make it only once at the beginning, and presumably the opinion that you make it each day is that, yes, I can see that it's a continuous act, but, you know, a continuous act, you know, you, you know it loses its framing. So you want to re-sort of acknowledge it, you know, on a daily basis and relabel it, but still conceptually it's a continuous act. So in the Gemara, you have the idea of making it daily or making it once, but in our practice, we've transformed this which thing, which is conceptually a continuous act, we've transformed it into discrete acts, and therefore, for us, we wind up making it with every discrete act. But that is not stated in the Gemara. Okay, so what do we have now in the Gemara? You have the question, meaning, you, you know, you have the idea one and seven, seven and one, seven and seven, but it boils down to the question by Lulav of you make it only on the biblical day, day one, or you make it on all the days, even the rabbinic days, all seven days. And by Sukkah, the question is, do you con- <coughs> is it a continuous act and you only make it at the beginning? Or the way I would frame it is, even if it's a continuous act, you need to relabel it on a daily basis. Those are the, what these issues are about. So now the Gemara says like this. Amr of Yosef, says of Yosef, Nikot had the Rabbah Barbachana uh, Take hold of the position of Rabbah Barbachana that said seven days for Sukkah and one day for Lulav. Take hold of it in your hand. The Kulu Amorai Kaimi Kivasei. All the Amoraim agree with this. So according to this, the claim is that there was a consensus of... <coughs> 
of seven days of sukkah, but only one day for a bracha and lulav. Obviously, that is not our actual psaq, but he's saying that should be your position. That's the consensus. Um, so, that at least by sukkah, the idea that there's seven days by sukkah, that there's the consensus of. Okay? And therefore, at least minimally by sukkah, the idea of making it on a daily basis, but presumably he's saying even the idea of lulav should really only be one day. One day. Okay, Meishle, I'll ask you on this. Top of Membelo Manali. Ha'osha lulav la'atzmo. So here we have a tosefta. Somebody is constructing a lulav for themselves. Omer, you're not like in the business and constructing a, mu- a, a million lulavs. You're constructing the lulav that you're going to use for the mitzvah. It could be a week before. It could be. It could be. Yeah, you're binding exactly. You're binding the hadatim and the rabbis together. Correct. Even if lulav ain't tar eged, nevertheless, that was certainly the practice. So you're basically involving yourself in constructing and putting together the lulav. So Omer Baruch Shachianu Gimani Vianu Lazmanazai. You say a Shachianu. Now this is an important halacha that most people are not aware of, which is there are two aspects of Shachianu on the Yomim Tovim. Um, there's the Shachianu that we say that relates to the fact that it's Yantam, the Kedushas Hayom, which is the Shachianu we say at Kiddush. There's also a Shachianu we say about the new mitzvos that we're doing. So, um, for example, you say a Shachianu at the night of Sukkot because of Kiddush, because it's a new Chag, and then you say it again when you take the lulav because that's the new mitzvah uh, it's, an, it's a periodic mitzvah and you make a shechiyanu uh, now um, this actually is interesting because what happens the second day of Sukkot do you make a shechiyanu and Kiddush the second day of Sukkot there's a pop quiz yes you do you do okay I'm not discussing reversing the order about that yes you do do you make a shechiyanu when you take the lulav the second day no no why not because here's the difference the Shachianu of the sanctity of Yantav is one that is made not in anticipation of Yantav. It's one that is made to actually sort of sanctify the day as when the sanctity of Yantav actually is present, when you actually, the day actually begins. So on the second day of Yantav, you have to say, look, doing this whole idea of it as if we don't know which day is Yantav, Sveik of the Yoma. If yesterday wasn't really Yantav, then the bracha Shechianu I made doesn't do any good. That was, a, that was a weekday. Today is really only the day that is Yantav. So today demands a Shechianu. And that's why you make a second Shechianu on the second night. But when it comes to Lulav, let's go through the same process. Okay? So let's say, so I made Shechianu yesterday, but let's say yesterday wasn't really Yantav. Let's say today is really the first day of Sukkot. Okay, but you know what? The shachiyanu you make on the new mitzvah is not limited to the doing of the mitzvah. It can be made as soon as you begin to engage yourself in the mitzvah. For example, if I buy a new suit, I can make the shachiyanu when I buy the suit, and I can make the shachiyanu when I first put it on, because basically it's encountering this new thing, and therefore it is. It could be at various stages when that encounter begins. It could be early, but if I miss the early stage, it could be at another more at another more meaningful stage. So therefore, even if I didn't yet do the mitzvah yesterday, because yesterday was theoretically still a weekday in this. Um, idea of Sveikidioma, I was beginning my involvement in the mitzvah, and therefore that Shechianu counts. So if I made the Shechianu when I bought the suit, I don't make a Shechianu when I wear the suit. And if I made the Shechianu yesterday, I don't have to make it today, even though today is the first I'm actually doing the mitzvah. Which is why the Tosefta says that the real first time you should be making the Shechianu on the Lulav is not when you're planning on taking it, but when you're getting it ready, and when yeah. you're constructing it. And we don't, we don't do that, but that's what the Tosefta says. Ha'oseh sukalat you say Shechianu you say Shechianu and so on okay and that is because by the way and this is complicated it refers to what Michael's going to say but I'm not going to unpack it right now the Shechianu we say on Sukkot night is a double duty it's for the Chag and it's for the first beginning of the Mitzvah of Sukkah and that has to do with why we switch the order first night, second night. But that could be a little assignment for homework. You can figure that one out. Okay, but anyway, it is interesting, but we're not going to go into that. Okay, but there are two aspects of Shechianu for the Chag and for the Mitzvah. And what this writer is saying is the Mitzvah Shechianu, the Chag Shechianu has to wait for the Chag. But the Mitzvah Shechianu can begin as soon as you encounter the Mitzvah and therefore you can make it as soon as you're constructing the lulav. If you would have made the shechianu when you constructed the lulav, then when you came to take the lulav on the first day, you would not say shechianu. You would only say asher kichan b'mitzvotav. Okay, so that's the underlying principle and assumption of this, of this tosefta. Yes. A lot of, a lot of women like Yom Tov candles before it's actually right. hard. 
Right. But that would seem by that to be a little early to be precise. Well, all, first of all, the lighting of candles is seen as the bringing in of the Chag. So if you do a, if you, if you start a Yantiv early, um, which you're allowed to do, you know, you can make the Shekhyanu in the Kiddush early um, as well. So um, that's, yeah, so, well, so that's different. That our custom is to wait until it's actually dark before making Kiddush in the Sukkah. Yeah, but whatever. There are reason, okay. other reasons behind that, but yes. But, at, but in principle, that, you know, the, the Chag starts early as well. Also raises questions about whether the Shekhyanu on the, um, you know, let, let's just leave it at that yeah. now. Yeah. Why don't we make a Shekhyanu before eating matzah? Uh, so that's a good, that's a question in general, um, you know. And why don't we? Why, and there are other questions about certain brachas below seder. Why don't we make the bracha for? Why don't we make a bracha on on magid on lel seder and so on? Um, so for the matzah issue, at least let's just say a simple answer right now might be that um, similar to the point of why of sukkah that it does double duty. The shachianu that we make um, on the on the yuntiv. Uh, for Lel Seder on the Kiddush also relates to the matzah that we're about to be doing as well. It's sort of like you say a shachianu so here you're getting ready to be eating the matzah. You say the shachianu even though it wasn't a second before you actually ate that matzah. Okay? I'm not I'm giving you the basic parameters. We're not pasketing here. Let's move on. The Mar says like this. Okay. So, now, so let's read that again. Then when it finally comes time to be Yotze, Omer, You say the Baruch of Al Tilat Lulav. Okay, the Avafi Shabirich Alav. Now, that was very interesting, just the idea of the two separate Brachot. Now we get to our question about when you make those Brachot. The Avafi Shabirich Alav Yom Rishon, even though you made the Bracha on Lulav the first day, you make it all seven days. Okay, so number one, as opposed to what was just said a minute ago, that you should only be making it one day, here it says you make it all seven days. Number two, when you begin making the sukkah, Omer, again you make a shechianu. Okay, um... Uh, once you start, once you go in there to do the first mitzvah, Omer, the kivan, and now here's the clincher or the critical line for us. The kivan shabirach yom yisham. Once you made the bracha on the first day, you don't make it any other days. So here it's an explicit brayta, which is the exact opposite of what the gemara just said. Is what we should adopt as our position. It says seven days for lulav and one day for sukkah. So kasha lulav lulav kasha sukkah sukkah. It contradicts the earlier position on both levels, the lulav position and the sukkah position. So bishlema lulav lulav lo kasha. So the contradiction of lulav, where we had said before one day, and this is saying seven days, that doesn't have to be seen as a contradiction. Why? Because kamis man to base mikdashkayim, kamis man to base mikdashkayim. It matters whether there's a base on mikdash or not. We said one day. Why do we say only one day by lulav? Because the other days were rabbinic. Well, maybe this bright that says all seven days is assuming that it's at the time of the base of Mikdash and Rashi adds, and assuming you're going to the base of Mikdash and doing the mitzvah there. So then it's biblical all seven days. So we could live with the idea that this says seven days for Lulav. This Brighton maybe assumes that it's, that it's in the base of Mikdash and it's, it's dealing with the context of being in the base of Mikdash and it's biblical each day. Ella, sukkah, sukkah kasha, but we really got a problem. Because we said sukkah all seven days, and this brighter says sukkah is only one day. One day, the beginning. So which is it? So the Gemara says, Tanahi, you know what, you're right, I can see the point that this question of doing it once at the beginning of the process or doing it every day is a debate of Tanayim. And therefore, yes, what we was quoting before the debate of Amorayim actually is rooted in the Tanaitic debate. This Brite, you're right, says once at the beginning, but I'm going to show you a Tana that says that logically that you can make it every day or that would say a position we're going to see by Tfilin that logically could be applied here that would indicate you make it every day. Let's take a look. The Tanya, we taught in the Brisa, Tfilin. You're putting, you're wearing tefillin. Kozman shemenichan mevarechalehem. Divei Rebbe. Rebbe says, whenever you put them on, even if you put them on multiple times in a day, you make the bracha each time. The chachamim omim and the chachamim say, enu mevarech ela shachris bilvad. You only make the bracha once, and after there, it's a continuous process of wearing tefillin. So, and therefore, presumably, what the rabbis are saying here, that even if you take it off and put it on again, it's, well, we'll talk about going to the bathroom in a minute, it is not a new act. It's still part of the same continuous process. And therefore, one bracha for something that is done, not one discrete time. 
You lift up your lulav, you put it down. That, you do it, do it each day separately. But something that is a continuous process, wearing tefillin is a continuous process, then you was only going to be one bracha per day. Okay, now, which one here supports the idea that you go make a bracha on the sukkah, right, each day? So, it's not the position that says one bracha on tefillin a day, although that would seem to be parallel. One bracha on tefillin a day, one bracha on sukkah a day. No. Because by tefillin, the reason you make it once a day is because nighttime is not a time for tefillin. So every day is distinct. So that, but in principle, that idea of making it once a day for tefillin is really saying you make it once at the beginning of the process and you never make it again during that process. By tefillin, the process ends after, at, at nightfall. By sukkah, the process ends at the end of seven days. But that position by tefillin is once for the whole process. So that would be the position once for the week for sukkah. The second position, however, says, although it is a process, there are distinct times you make the bracha. So by tefillin, those distinct times would be every time you put on tefillin again. Now, what would it be by sukkah? So here, Rashi would say, going back to the simple shot reading of the earlier Gemara, Rashi would say, well, the distinct times by sukkah is, let's say, you know, every morning, once a day, you know, once a day. It's not really distinct, like taking off your tefillin and putting it back on, but the point being, even though it's a process, we're going to acknowledge multiple opportunities to be making a bracha. And by sukkah, those multiple opportunities will be once a day. Tosos might say, and this might claim, that this Gemara actually is pointing us to what our current practice is. Because the same way by tefillin, what determines the distinct moments during a process, the distinct moment in which you're going to make a new bracha, is when you do a new act of putting on the tefillin, even if we conceptualize it as a process. So by sukkah as well, even if it's a seven-day process, the distinct acts of moving, going back into the sukkah to do another act of eating will be another bracha. So this Gemara, once it, now that it's moving to tefillin, is a lot closer to our practice. Okay, so what do you have by tefillin? You have a debate. The Chachamim say once a day, no matter how many times you take it off and put it on, because it's a process, so that's, we do it once for the whole process. Whereas the, whereas the first position, who has the first position? Rebbe says, even though it's a process, there are multiple points in which you make the bracha. And that, the Gemara is saying, is, that's our position of making su- the bracha of sukkah multiple times. Either daily or multiple times every time you go back to sit in the sukkah again. Okay, so that it really is rooted in this debate of the Tanayim. So let's see now where the Gemara goes with this. Um, Itmar, it was taught, Abai Amar, Hilchasaka Rebbe, we will like Rebbe, like Tzillin, every time you put it on again, and therefore by Sukkah, every, you have multiple brachas on Sukkah. The Rav Amar, Hilchasaka Rebbe, no, we will like the rabbis just once a day, and maybe he would say by Sukkah also, once, once for the whole week. Amar Rav Mari, Bradabas Shmuel. So Rav Mari, the, the daughter, the, the, the son of the daughter of Shmuel, interesting, right? Attributed after his mother. Um, Chazina, although the mother doesn't get a name, she's only the daughter of Shmuel. Anyway, Chazina Leila Rava, I saw Rava, the low Avid Kishmaite. Rava was not being consistent with his own position. Because Rava basically said that we rule like the Rabbanan and it's once, and it's once. Once for the whole day. I saw Rava was being inconsistent. Where was Rava being inconsistent? Um, Ella, here's what I saw Rava do. Maktim Vakai, the Ayala Basakisei. He'd get up early, he'd go to the bathroom, the Nafik, he'd come out of the bathroom. This is on a daily basis, what he would do. Um they wash his hands, Umanach Tfilin, and then put on Tfilin. Umivarech, so he made his Brahan Tfilin first thing in the morning. And then later in the day, because they would wear tefillin throughout the day, that's also why we're thinking of it also, you know, as a process. So he had to go to the bathroom later in the day. He'd go back into the bathroom. Obviously, he'd first take off his tefillin. We didn't say that, but that's implicit. He'd come out of the bathroom and wash his hands. And he'd put on tefillin again. And he, ma- and, he, um, and he made another bracha. So you see, even Rava really concedes that you will make a bracha multiple times in the day when you put it on again, and not that um, it's only once for the whole process. Now, it is worth noting that there's a big difference between that and the case of tefillin, or that and just taking off your tefillin, wait, waiting an hour and putting it back on. Because actually, this is the halacha. If you take off your tefillin and then put it back on, you have to make another bracha. So what's the halacha? The halacha is, you have to make another bracha if you took it off to, for like, to be done with it. You weren't, or, you know, not to put it on immediately. And, and you know, and then that would be, then, then you would make another bracha. But if you took it off and you were planning on putting it on right away and went and put it on right away again, then actually that would be considered a continuation of the process and you wouldn't. There needs to be something that actually separates them. 
one thing that separates is going to the bathroom. You're not allowed to have tefillin on in the bathroom. So therefore, even if you only need to go to the bathroom for a second, right? If I needed to, to take off my tefillin and run out to the street to, I don't know, get my kid off of the bus, and I came back in and I put on my tefillin, I wouldn't make another bracha. If I took it off for a second to go to the bathroom and I came back, I would make another bracha. Why? Because you're, since you're not allowed to have tefillin on in the bathroom, the, that moment of being in the bathroom is considered an absolute divider between the previous act and the current act, because there was a period of time where I was not allowed, I was in a space where I was not allowed to have tefillin on. In that way, by the way, tefillin is different than talis. If I take off my talis to run to the bathroom and go to the bathroom and then come back, I do make another bracha on... I, I, I don't make another bracha on talis because you're allowed to have a talis on. Technically, we don't. It's not kavod. It's not, appro- you know, it's not respectable. But halachically, because talis doesn't have kedusha, it's tashmishe mitzvah, not tashmishe kedusha, doesn't have God's name in it, you are allowed to have a talis in the bathroom. So therefore, you do not make another bracha if there's not been a long interruption. But by tefillin, you do. So, back to this point, Rabbah made another bracha, sure, because do we consider it a continuous process or not? Well, if he was in the bathroom, that broke up the process, okay? Does that necessarily the same halacha if you just Tom took it off and took it on? Is that the same halacha if you were living in your sukkah and you went out for a little while and came back? Maybe not. Maybe that would be an uninterrupted process. Maybe by, right? So there's a difference to say you make a new bracha when you really break the process. That doesn't necessarily prove the story when you don't break the process. But nevertheless, since it had not been discussed before, um, the assumption is that when Rava says once a day, it means once a day regardless. You will never make it more than once a day. And here we're saying, aha, Rava himself was not consistent because Rava did make it more than once a day if he would go to the bathroom in the middle. So you see the idea that even Rava concedes that once a day is not, does, does not always get you off the hook. Is it okay? yes. the Beit issue or the action? No, it actually is the Beit HaKisei because it was very so, smelly and so on, so which raises questions nowadays because our bathrooms are really not halachic uh, Beit HaKisei. Okay, right. okay but we're not going there. Right. Or if you're, if you're camping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so now, but yes, but now that, that's what I'm going to get one more. So anyway, the point is, is that is it once for the process or is it multiple times for the process of filling? Rava says once, but now the statement is even Rava was not consistent. Now I pointed out that that's particularly a moment where the process really was interrupted, but nevertheless, Rava had said once, and here we see that there are times that Rava himself concedes you make it multiple times, and therefore the upshot is, Ananami Rebbe Avdinan, and we also follow Rebbe, not Rabbanan, so by tefillin, we would do it multiple times, each time you put on the tefillin anew, we would make a new bracha, even multiple times in the same day, and similarly by sukkah, we make a bracha the entire week, not just once. Now again, what does the entire week mean? It could mean we make it once a day, like sukkah, like lulav, once a day. That somehow each day is like a new act of living in the sukkah. Each day, you know, so, you know in, again, not that the activity is different, but somehow it just is somewhat distinct from the previous day. That's what Rashi reads from our very literally called shiva. Tosus's read, which again is much more similar to the tefillin idea, is no. When you, for the entire week, Every time you re-enter the sukkah to do another eating or another sleeping in the sukkah, that's like putting on your tefillin again on the same day, and that discreet act requires another bracha. Okay, so I hope I haven't complicated it too much, just to refresh where we're up to. <coughs> the issue about lulav at this stage, clearly every day is distinct and every act is distinct. The only question is, you make a bracha on the rabbinic days. That's the question by lulav. By sukkah, it's a, it's a very interesting conceptual question. It's a seven-day process. So the argument could be once for the whole seven days. Or do we somehow say that even if it's a seven-day process, we're going to have multiple brachot. And what would that multiple brachot be? Rashi understands it means one bracha a day, one bracha each day, just to mark each day afresh. Tosa says, more like the Gemara's comparison to tefillin, a bracha each time you're going to do a new distinct act. Even though conceptually it's a process, like wearing tefillin is conceptually an ongoing process, nevertheless, each distinct act gets its own bracha, and here too by sukkah, every distinct act of going back into the sukkah gets its own bracha. And that actually, of course, is our practice. David, you had a question? Yeah, it's not actually about these conclusions, but just the distinction between the tefillin not only with the bathroom, but also you're not allowed to wear it when you go to sleep. 
Right. So that would right the sleeping right and that is exactly true exactly the whole idea that sukkah is really ongoing there's never a moment you're not allowed to be in sukkah even sleeping is part of the mitzvah of being in a sukkah so you know so there really nothing interrupts the process of sukkah so you really understand the idea you make it once in the beginning of the seven days right so it really is different than tefillin because and tefillin right there you know you could even go, I would even go further. Tefillin, there are moments, even if conceptually the process, there are moments you're not wearing tefillin. If I took up my tefillin for five minutes, I wasn't wearing it for that five minutes. Whereas by sukkah, even if I'm not physically in the sukkah for the, for the last hour, I could still be living in the sukkah during this time. Living in the sukkah does not mean you're physically present there. I live in my house. It doesn't mean every moment I'm in my house. So really by sukkah, the idea that the whole week is an uninterrupted, whatever you're doing, if you're always going back to your sukkah to eat and to sleep, then whatever you're doing during that week, the entire time you're living in your sukkah. So you really understand the power of the idea of making the bracha once. Of course, as we know, if you fail to make a bracha on things, then psychologically they don't feel as much of a mitzvah. And we have enough of a hard time making living in the sukkah a sense of an ongoing mitzvah. But at least in a, at a conceptual level, so it's important that we do make a lot of brachas by sukkah. But at least at a conceptual level, you really, you're absolutely correct. When you're sleeping, you're, when you're sleeping is one of the biggest key of being in the sukkah. But really whatever you're doing is an uninterrupted process. Nevertheless, the Gemara concludes, based on a comparison to tefillin, which as you point out, is not a complete comparison, that we make a bracha multiple times in a sukkah, whether multiple times means like Rashi daily, or multiple times means like Tosa says, and like is our practice at all at every discrete act is when we make the bracha by by now there's a, by, by sukkah. Now there's another question: Why do we make the bracha only by eating and not by sleeping? Because here Tosus mentions sleeping, but elsewhere Tosus acknowledges that our practice is only to make it by eating and not by sleeping. Okay, and for us, of course, we don't even sleep in a sukkah, which is a, a conversation by itself. Okay, but let's take a look, and maybe that had, was reinforced by the idea that we stop making brachas by sleeping in the sukkah. Right. It really is quite fascinating how brachas influence our psychological attachment to what's a real mitzvah and what's not a real mitzvah. Yes. Uh, I find it interesting that uh, we're not following the usual halakhic rule here of Yafat Varabim. Well, we're not done. I mean, we're do. I mean, there's also a, oh, you mean because of Rebbe and the Rabbanan? Yeah. yeah, but you know, but always these things are up for discussion. And then there's also Hilchas Akivas So the later Amorayim here are coming to a certain consensus, presumably because both Abai and Rava, you know, Rava not by his words but by his actions, wound up implicitly poskening like Rebbe. Rebbe. Okay, so Amar Marzutra Chazina Le Papa. I saw Rav Papa. The whole Amos Demonach Tefillin. Now we're wrapping up. Oy. Excuse the pot. Some points about the tefillin. I saw, I saw, I saw Rav that every time he would put on tefillin, mevarech, he'd make the bracha, even multiple times in the day. And again, reinforcing this idea of multiple times. Rabbanin Debei Ravashi calling him Mishimash Meshibahu Mavarchi, and this is maybe even more relevant because it says every time they would feel the tefillin, they'd make a bracha. That's like the most relevant because it's one thing to say you take it off, you put it on again, there was a period you weren't wearing tefillin. Here he's saying, even though they were wearing so continuously, every time they like psychologically re-engaged, you know, the mitzvah, they just felt their fill and they make a bracha again. So that's really, I mean, that could be a lot of brachas, but that really is the most relevant to sukkah, where it's saying, acknowledging you haven't stopped doing the mitzvah, you've been doing it continuously, but even so, a certain type of a re, um, sort of engagement with it, a, you know, re, you know, a, a, a sort of re, you know, reconnecting to it in a conscious way, you'll make a new bracha. So, you, I mean, you understand how that is really very parallel to sukkah. You could be doing it continuously, but there could still be moments where you're going to make a new bracha. Because until now, as I said, by tefillin, there were really periods you stopped doing tefillin. Here's a case where you were doing tefillin continuously, and there would still be multiple opportunities to be making a bracha. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Amar Rabbi Yudam HaShemuel, Mitzvah Lulav Koshiva. The Mitzvah Lulav is all seven days. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Omer Yom Rishon only the first day on Yom Rishon Mitzvah Lulav Nikan Be'ach Mitzvah Zakenim the first day is the bits of Lulav afterwards it's Rabbinic now what are they debating you know nobody has ever said there's a biblical Mitzvah of Lulav on the rest of the days so what they're debating is you know in this context it's clear and there is, they're debating when you make the bracha it's another way of, of, make, of saying the question 
do you make the bracha on lulav all seven days even when it's rabbinic even the other days after day one when it's rabbinic so the first position that says the mitzvah is seven days means you make the bracha all seven days again fascinating the association of making the bracha with fully owning its identity as a mitzvah so mitzvah lulav koshiva means you make the bracha all seven days whereas the other one says no only the first day is biblical that's the only day you make the bracha the rest of the days is rabbinic you don't make the bracha Rabbi Yitzchak Omer and Rabbi Yitzchak says um, so oh, every day is rabbinic and you don't make a bracha so every day says the Gemara he would even say the first day is only a rabbinic mitzvah don't we say that the first day is, is biblical so okay no bar me Yom Rishon alright he means it's all rabbinic after day one so that's what we just said the position that it was biblical the first day and rabbinic the other days so the says, Okay, and Rabbi Yitzchak also says the same point. So by the way, we should just take a moment to appreciate that that's a very difficult read of the Brightza. And the, uh, um, and the, um, and the simple sense here is, I mean, not the Brightza, excuse me, of this Amoraic statement. And the simple sense of this position of Rabbi Yitzchak really is that he did not think Lulav was biblical. Maybe according to him, he thought Lulav was only biblical in the base of Mikdash. Maybe he didn't think it was biblical outside. Very shocking position, which the Gemara immediately has to reinterpret. Anyway, we once again have this debate, which is, do you make the bracha on lulav on the other days, which are rabbinic, after, on cholamoe? So let's take a look. Um, the Afrev Rav Savar Koshiva Mitzvah Lulav even Rav holds that the Mitzvah Lulav is all seven again what it means is you make the bracha all seven days and how do you make the bracha all seven days on something rabbinic so now we're going to now we're shifting from this fascinating Lulav Sukkah discussion to the Lulav question of making a bracha on, on something rabbinic so Rav also can be understood to say you make a bracha even when it's rabbinic. When you light Hanukkah candles, you have to make a bracha. So Rav says if you make a bracha on Hanukkah candles, you see Rav is okay with making a mitzvah bracha on a rabbinic mitzvah. Rabbi Yirmiya Omer, now that we're mentioning Hanukkah candles, we're going to digress a little bit about that. Even if you didn't light, you weren't at home and you didn't light Hanukkah candles, if you see them on the street, you make the bracha of what bracha do you make when you see them on the street? Shasanitim. Okay? Because Hanukkah and Purim are the only two day, uh, you know, sort of uh, holidays that you make the bracha or mitzvahs, you make the bracha Shasanitim because those are mitzvahs that are, they're both the rabbinic ones and those are the mitzvahs where they're heavy focus on publicizing the miracle, on Pirsume Nisa. And that's why we make the bracha of Shasanitim. Because it's about publicizing so even if you didn't actually perform the mitzvah act, you just saw somebody who had lit the candles, so you're part of that act of, public, of it being publicized. You're the receiver of the message. And therefore, you also make the bracha of Sha'asanisim. So the says like this. My um, mevarich, what is the act of brachas? If you're the lighter, on the first day, you make the bracha Hamadlik mevarich shlosha. You make shalosh. Shechi lahadlik ner, Sha'asanisim, and Shechi and you see it, you say, you don't say lahadli because you don't like, but you say, you say, um, and you say shechianu, because remember, shechianu is encountering the mitzvah, not even doing the mitzvah. So before we had you encountered it because you were putting the lulav together before it was sukkah. Here you're encountering it, it is Hanukkah, but you're not doing the act of lighting. But nevertheless, you're encountering the mitzvah, so you make the bracha. Okay, Mikan ve'elach, after day one, so the, you'll, you'll just drop the Shechianu. Madlik mevarashtayim, the lighter says two, lahadlik and shasanisim, ve'roem mevarachachach, which is shasanisim. Okay, umay mevarach. Now, what actually is the text? Because I've been filling in the blanks. What actually is the text of the bracha of the mitzvah near Chanukah? Baruch ha'shech yishem b'tashavit zivanu lahadlik ner shel Chanukah, or ner Chanukah, different gersaot. So now the Gemara finally says, okay, but it's a rabbinic mitzvah. Where were we exactly commanded to light Hanukkah candles? It says, don't sway from the matters that they will tell you when you go to uh, adjudicate an issue um, to the, uh, according to the, you know, to the Beit Dina Gadol, the, the Koranim of the Shofet that are on, you know, on Harabayis, Hashem, and don't, don't veer from the matter they tell you. So we're biblically mandated to listen to the sages, and therefore we can say that you, God, commanded us. Ask your father and he will tell you. Meaning, again, follow the traditions and the rulings of the previous generation. So, 
just one brief comment. There's obviously a lot to say about this, about rabbinic authority and so on, but one brief comment. Why the look for a different verse other than Lotusser? Lotusser is a biblical mitzvah, don't sway. Why quote this pasuk from, um, you know, that's, from, that, that's more poetic and not really uh, mandate, you must listen, etc.? So the point is, because Lotusser is much more about the rabbi's role in interpreting biblical mitzvot. Like, there's a, a debate, what is this biblical mitzvah? Is this, do I have to do this for Shabbos? Do I that for Shabbos? And you go to the sages and they will tell you, you know, how to understand God's word. That's the case in the Torah of Lotasur and Gasita Piatarashe Yerucha, following them, not swaying, is in their um, interpretive capacity. In something of establishing new practices, that's not really what the Pasuk of Lotasur is talking about. So that's why the Gemara here seeks another Pasuk just listen to your parents just listen just follow the practices that were established even if it's not in their interpretive role even if it's in establishing new practices okay so that's just appreciating the two psukim the other interesting thing to say since we're right in the aftermath of Purim is that the Gemara doesn't ask this question by Megillah it only asks it by Hanukkah but the Gemara why not same issue by Purim a new mitzvah but the Gemara asks another question by Purim. You know what the question the, Gemara, the, the question Gemara asks by Purim is? No, so yes, but that's not my point. My point is, the question that asks by Purim is, how do, whether Esther was given Baruch HaKodesh, and how do we know that Esther is one of the books of Tanakh, and whether Esther is Metamis Yadayim, and the famous Midrash, Esther writes to the Chachamim Kitvuni Ludoros, which is a way of saying including me in Tanakh, because once Esther got to be in Tanakh, there's no problem of saying Why? Because the, the mitzvah of reading the Megillah is in the Megillah. So if you yeah. can make the Megillah part of Tanakh, so the idea that this is coming from God, okay, not from the Torah, from Tanakh, but it's coming from God, so you can say Sivanu. So by Esther, the question is getting the book of the Megillah in Tanakh. Whereas by here, where it was never about Maccabees being in Tanakh, Christians have it in their Bible, we don't, you had to directly address the question of where is the authority to say the Tzivanu, and it quotes this idea of Lotusser and so on. So this is the idea that by a rabbinic mitzvah you can say the Tzivanu, and since we say that by Hanukkah, says the Gemara, we would actually, we would say it by Lulav as well. And now the Gemara just ends that point by saying, Rav Nachman by Yitzchak teaches it explicitly, not that we can infer from what Rav says by Hanukkah to what Rav would say by Lulav. No, explicitly Rav said it by Lulav. Ama Rav, Koshiva Mitzvah Lulav. The whole seven days is the mitzvah, which means, in this context, the whole seven days you are making the bracha. So what is our conclusion? By Lulav, the conclusion is, yes, it's rabbinic on Cholamoe, but we make brichas a mitzvah on rabbinic mitzvahs, so we make Lulav every day. Sukkah, yes, it's a continuous process. There's a nice logic to make it once, but following this model of tillin, particularly the model that every time you would touch the tillin, you make a barco, that's not what we do. But anyway, following the model of tillin, although it's a continuous process, you do make the bracha of sukkah as well during the course of the seven days. According to Rashi, it's once a day. According to Tosros, which is our practice, it's every time discrete act, and every time you re-enter the sukkah to eat in the sukkah, you make a new bracha. Yes, so we have a question. compelling to say that this sukkah's primary location is in Shabbat and here as opposed to the other way around? Uh, I don't in know. In other words, it links both ways, right? Yeah, it is true. It is true. Um, in other words, here it's conceptual, yes. there it's uh, Badney Rose. Right, right. right? So other Probably, words, yeah. It could very well way, be. Right? Yeah, yeah. Could very well be. Right. Where, what type of grouping is the more natural grouping is an interesting question. But yeah. All right, so now we're going to continue. Tana Rabbanah. So now we're going back to what we said before. Now, however, we establish. So that's the idea of Shechianu. And making the bracha when you go in. And we had discussed how many times you make the bracha. Now, let's say your sukkah was pre-built. Okay? Um, when am I going to make a Shechianu? I didn't build the sukkah. So, if you can add something new to your sukkah, then do something new, put up some new decorations, or put up a little more schach, and that will allow you to make the bracha of shechianu on engaging in the mitzvah. 
and if you didn't do anything to really make the make the sukkah, so fine. So then, when you finally actually actually do the act, then you make both brachas. And again, this is what we do. Although we could in theory make shechianu when we're putting together the lulav or when we're putting up our sukkah, we don't do it at the earlier stages. We do them when we're actually doing the mitzvah. I'm Ravashi, says Ravashi. Chazim Aleilu Ravkahana, I saw Ravkahana, the Kamalu Lukulhu, Akasa de Kidusha. He waited, saying all of it over Kiddush. And this is what we do, right? Because actually, it's true by the Lulav, we do it when you're sitting, when you're taking the Lulav. But actually, it's important to appreciate that there's a, the, another stage in the Gemara. Because the Gemara is talking about the Sukkah. Well, the Sukkah starts at the first night. So the Gemara first said it, if you didn't make it when you, you put together the sukkah, make it when you first walk into the sukkah. Now that's, we don't do that. We wait for sukkah till we're actually making kiddush. Okay, so there's all these stages. First make it when you're putting together the sukkah. Oh, you didn't do that? Do something new and add something to the sukkah and then make it. Oh, you didn't do that? It's already sukkah? It's all, you're coming home from shul? Make it as soon as you walk into the sukkah. And then finally it says, you know what? We waited this long, we might as well just wrap it all up into the Kiddush. And that's what the Gemara says. And that is our practice. Again, and that also sounds like it's not a bit yevid. Like, he basically figured, as long as I'm going to, you know, have to make it on the sukkah, might as well incorporate it all into the Kiddush. And as we said, the Shekhyanu on the Kiddush winds up doing double duty. It's a Shekhyanu for the Yantav, and it's a Shekhyanu for sukkah. By Lulav, we do it at the moment we're about to do the mitzvah. If a person okay? today yes. made a Shekhyanu when they were putting together their sukkah, Right. Is it a halachic issue? No. Yeah, it's a minute of how we do it. Look, the irony is, or the funny thing is, why we say the Shekhyanu after the Asher Kishan Mitzvah Because you could say that's, that's a hefek. Since in theory the Shekhyanu could have been said earlier, even if we want to wait and do it to the time of doing the mitzvah, right? Mm-hmm. Say it before you say the Birchas mitzvah, you know, because the Shekhyanu idea began earlier. So it's actually quite fascinating that once we're actually waiting to the performance, we completely integrate it into the performance and we actually do it even after the, the, the Asher Kiddushan of Mitzvah Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, uh, where were we? How fun of Mitzvot Harbei? Now we're talking about brachas and mitzvah. We'll talk a little bit more generally. You have many mitzvahs to do. Rashi says, let's say, uh, taking your lulav and sitting in your sukkah and putting on tefillin and putting on tzitzit. You wake up, sukkah's morning, and you want to do all four of these mitzvahs. Omer, Baruch Hashir Kishan Mitzvot. So you save yourself from making four separate brachas. One big bracha, ala mitzvot. Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Baruch, Mevarech HaKol Achat Fa'achat Yisneyatzma. Now, let's not have cheat any one out of its unique bracha. You make the separate one on each one. I'm Rabbi Zeyra, Vitema Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa, Hilchazak Rabbi Yehuda. We rule like Rabbi Yehuda. I'm Rabbi Zeyra, that you make it on um, each one. My time is rebuted. What's the logic behind this? Why not just lump them all together? Receive, right, a generic. Baruch Hashem Yom Yom. Bless God every day. Maybe only bless Him at daytime, not at nighttime. What does it mean on every day? It's telling you, Every day you should bless God and acknowledge the unique gifts of that day. Okay, now you could just say that at an experiential level, right? You wake up today and the birds are chirping, so you, 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 oh my God, it's so beautiful, you thank God for the chirping birds. You wake up tomorrow and I don't know, and it's raining and it's windy, you thank God for the rain and the wind. You know, every day you acknowledge, but of course here we're talking in the more technical liturgical context where it's not so free form. So what does it mean, thank God for the unique blessings every day? It means, on, on Rosh, Rosh Chodesh, you mentioned Rosh Chodesh. On Hanukkah, you mentioned Hanukkah. Uh, you know, on Purim, you mentioned Purim. Every day, you insert into the tefillah, not every day, because a lot of days are don't have that distinct quality to them in that sort of technical sense. Uh, but every day, you sort of bring in, if there's something distinct, you mention what's distinct about that day. So, so hachanami is the same way it's true about the day. Here too, if you're doing multiple mitzvot, every mitzvah you should acknowledge the distinct blessing of that of being given this mitzvah. The mitzvah of the sukkah is a different way in which God has blessed us and sanctified us than the mitzvah of Lulam, than the mitzvah of, uh, of Talis, and the mitzvah of Tzillin. You don't want to take away the distinct nature because it also undermines, you know, we would say, I would say at the experiential level, it undermines, you know, 
our relationship to it as, you know, as a special mitzvah. In the sort of, at the theological level, in terms of just thanking God, you know, we're taking away some distinctive way of giving, of acknowledging, and a distinctive way of giving thanks and of blessing God. Okay. Come see that God's ways are not the ways of human beings. Right? These are all connected because it's the same person saying it. The way of human beings, flesh and blood. An empty vessel can, uh, can, be, can uh, hold new, co- new content. A full vessel cannot hold any new content. But the way of God is not this way. If it's full, it'll be able to hold better. If it's empty, it won't be able to hold. It'll be if you surely listen to what God says. If you've already listened before, you'll be able to hear more. Rashi says, you'll, you know, you'll, uh, you'll have trained yourself to the whole you know, uh, to the disposition of paying attention and listening and the more you've listened before, the more you're continue to listen in the future. The imlav, and if you haven't, you know, tra- trained yourself to listen, oh, I keep myself, what was that movie? Was it, uh, that was, that, what's his name was in? It was the, the, the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right? So, I keep my mind a total blank. So it doesn't mean that it makes it easier to absorb things. If you haven't trained yourself to listen before, lo tishma, you will not succeed in listening in the future. Okay, so Raji talks, by the way, about the issue of a disposition to be able to listen and to pay attention and to focus. You could also, by the way, talk about the idea of association of ideas. Right? The more ideas that you have in your head, then when you bring in a new idea, in a way, because it makes connections and associates with ideas that are already there, in ways you can hold on to it, you know, better than if you're taking in an idea that has no context and no other ideas to associate with. This is until you get to be, until you get to be older, then you start just forgetting everything. What? (laughs) The ancient right. way of framing right. contemporary constructivist theory. Right. Oh. You only understand things in context of other you things you understood. You have something of understanding right. that you make a connection to. Right, right. It's completely the most contemporary educational development. Exactly. So it's very powerful. And again, Rocky talks about a disposition, but I would say, as Dovid said, that it has to do just about the ability to comprehend, as if you can associate it with ideas you've already heard. Okay, another way of saying it. If you heard the old, you'll be able to hear new. But then the next book says, If your heart turns away and you don't hear, so the way it's reading it, if your heart turned away, if you stopped paying attention, then you won't hear again. Now, what does this mean, isn't this saying the same thing? So Rashi says, this last point is about doing Chazara. Well, the first point was, the more you've learned in general, the more it'll be, you'll gain that disposition of paying attention and learning and context, the more you'll be able to learn. The next point is, if you go back to review what you've learned before, then it'll be also easier to continue and to absorb new things. But if you never review, then it basically is in one ear out the next, and you don't get to, you know, and if then, you, then it's become, not, does not become possible to learn. Now, the funny thing, by the way, is that this says, God's way is not the way of human beings. What's God's way? We're the ones that are doing the learning. Is it a specific point that's making about Torah? That this is about Torah? You know, that Torah has this ability? It doesn't seem so. It seems that this is a universal reality. So it seems that God's way is about the making of the vessel. We make a cup, and the cup only contains things when it's open, empty. It doesn't contain things when it's full. God makes the human being and the human mind. That's God's way. how he's made us. uh, You know, we are the container that God has made. And we're a type of a container that the more we're filled, the more we're able to be filled. And if it's empty, then it does not get filled. Okay, so uh, we, uh, it's whatever. I didn't think it pays to begin the next topic, so we're a bit behind, but we will try to uh, catch up here on Shabbat. All right.